0: Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.
1: Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Band presents Chad and Nate. Good morning. Happy Wednesday, Chad Brown.
0: You sound a little better, man. Like uh, you got a little clearance going.
1: I got a little clearance going. I had a little uh, nasal issue yesterday. It's still, it's still there a little bit, it, but, but it's, it's improving. Yeah. Yes. Yesterday, I could not even breathe out of my nose. I could tell. Yeah, and yeah. so could so could all of you uh, loyal listeners out there, and a couple of you texted in to let let me know how bad I sounded. So I appreciate sticking with us. Um, we're we're going to continue reacting to to the game on Monday night because it's less than 48 hours ago yep where the Broncos basically showed off uh what they got for the first time under coach Hackett and um, Nathaniel Hackett talked about it yesterday we're gonna get into that sound but um, right off the bat Nathaniel Hackett took the podium said yeah I should have gone for it on fourth and down on fourth down because we missed the kick the plan was to get to the 46 yard line we got to the 46 yard line. So we figured, hey, now's the time to kick it. Uh, He kind of doubled down on the plan. And uh, my question to you, Chad, is how do you feel about that, Um, I don't know, that explanation? How do I feel about the plan? The plan. This is your plan
0: to get to the 46. That's really the, the plan. No, that's your last second. Hey, kicker, how far can you kick it and how far you ever kicked it in your entire life plan? versus, hey, let's get to the thirty five make this a makeable thing. Let's do that. So the the fact that this is the plan, as he said, um calls to mind even more
1: questions. Well he uh, did talk so so Nathaniel Hackett was brought in to be a different kind of coach. A okay. new age, new NFL coach. Right. Who, and he and he from the moment he got here, he talked about listening. Listening. I'm not just gonna tell you what to do. I'm gonna listen to you, Chad. Mm-hmm. And and you might have something actually constructive to add to this. You know your body. You know your skill level, right? You know your ceiling. So why don't you tell me what you can do, and then I'm going to internalize that and make the plan based on what you tell me you can do. Uh, Brandon McManus told him, that's my line to get. He believed him, and that was part of the plan. Was that a mistake?
0: I think so, because, again, Brandon McManus wasn't saying, oh, I got uh – Give me to the forty six but really, you know I'd probably get around the forty one no, that was like the absolute baseline of it this is this is how this is absolutely as far as I can go with this thing. anything better than that is just going simply to be better, and you had timeouts on the clock to be able to pull that off and if you're going to listen to the players, I'm sure Russell Wilson would have loved to have the opportunity to be listened to as well in that situation so i i I, I understand. Where Brandon McManus said, this is my line to go. And they somehow developed a plan around Hello. around that. But that's not a good plan. It, the road to hell is paved in good plans and, and good intentions. You know, mm. what, you know what I'm saying? So we can all make plans. It doesn't make it a good plan. You know, uh, I, I've used this so many times on the air before. You know, how many times in a locker, in a film session, does a player say, well, coach, I was just trying to make a play? And the answer from the coach is, well, then make a good play this is your plan, that's not a good plan. Just because you have a plan doesn't automatically make it a good plan. It's not we've got to buy into and believe. Yeah, sure, you had a plan. It was a plan to fail. It wasn't a very good plan. It wasn't a high percentage plan. It wasn't a plan that apparently after a night to think about it, although you defended it after you said it was the wrong plan, uh, trying to confuse people with a soundbite saying I apologize, but then doubling down, how, whatever that may be, you know, whatever. It was a poor plan. Just because it, you put the word plan to it, that I don't have to automatically buy into it.
1: So do you think there do you think there are voices in the building that can now have a conversation with Coach Hackett about that plan, about whether or not that was a a smart plan or how to formulate that plan or how we can go about making it different uh going forward? Does he have anybody else that he can kind of rely on there? Um is George Payton talking to him? You know, is uh, who else? Um, you know, is 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 Jerry Ivero talking to him? Uh, Justin Outen. Are they talking? Hey, hey, Coach, what what are you doing, man? Are there players? Can Russell Wilson go in there and say, "Hey, Coach, let's talk about how the, the 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 end of that game unfurled"? Because clearly, we didn't make the right choice. We didn't make the right choice, and if I know that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yesterday. On every single show, they poured through the statistics. Clearly, the chances of making a sixty-four yard field goal in Seattle, minuscule, low. The chances of picking up a fourth and four, fourth and five, with Russell Wilson, above fifty percent. Mm-hmm. So if you're tr- if you're a new age coach, this is, analytics is part of that, right? It's supposed to be right. However, you don't want to lean on analytics so much that you become a slave to it, um, like Brandon Staley did last year. By the way, Brandon Staley is learning. He he punted the ball on fourth and one from midfield in the game against the Raiders. They won the game. Wow. So so sometimes you gotta trust Mind blowing. analytics can be a, a tool, but right. you, know, you, you don't want to lean on it. Clearly, Nathaniel Hackett was not leaning on analytics in that moment, but that was his plan. Where do you think he came up with it?
0: Uh what do I think he came up with that? Wow. Okay, let's go back for a second cuz you asked questions about who. Yeah, I asked
1: you two, two or three questions.
0: Who who's the uh consultant in the building? Right. Um having spent some time with George Payton limited, but st- having spent some time with George Payton, he certainly gave me the impression that he is going to let his coach coach. Um so in conversations about training camp schedules and padded practices and things like that, you know, this is the guy we hired. He's got a plan. We're going to let this plan happen. There's that word plan again. Um, which didn't seem to pay off so well during yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry, Monday night's game, this plan to rest guys in the preseason and not expose them to possible injury didn't seem to play out so well. The Broncos team certainly was not clicking on all cylinders and there was a number of mistakes that could have been possibly remedied if you had played some in the preseason. Then there's also the plan to kick the field goal, which I just said was a bad plan. But having said all that, I'm not sure if George Payton is that guy to go play, uh, in this case it would be Tuesday morning quarterback, not Monday morning quarterback, and go to his head coach's office who you've hired and empowered and tell him how terrible that was. I, maybe I would look to a guy like Dom Capers, my old defensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, who has been a head coach a number of different stops in the NFL, who's now the senior defensive analyst for the Denver Broncos who's been through it a number of times as a head coach, who's seen it a number of times as a DC on a number of different staffs, can go have a reasonable conversation with Coach Hackett about analytics versus guts, best chances for success, $245 million quarterback versus a kicker, the whole thing, the whole... Kit Kat and Kaboodle and the thought process behind that to ensure that this type of plan is not hatched again and somehow gets agreement in the coaching rooms that this is going to be a good plan.
1: So that drive, that last drive started at the 22 yard line. I think there was like four minutes left. It was playing time. Yep. Four minutes left, 22 yard line. And and some people are texting, texting in that that wasn't the plan. Obviously it was, it was fourth down. So you had to make a decision there. Um, and so clearly, probably, the plan was to go down and score a touchdown. Of course. Right. But in his mind, do you think it was either touchdown or just get to the 46? And then once we're on the 46, we can kick it. Um, it we got some sound now. Johnny, why don't you just show or play a uh, Hackett talking about it, and then we could talk about his uh,
2: his sound. You know, looking back at it, we definitely should have gone for it. Um, Just not, not, you know, one of those things. You look back at it and you say, of course we should go for it. We missed the field goal. Um, But in that situation, we had a plan. I mean, we had a plan. We knew that 46 was the mark. Uh, We were third and 15, I think, third and 13. I'm more upset about that play before it to lose yards. To be able to, you know, getting that there would have definitely uh, been better to be able to call that same play and get extra yards.
1: So every, every coach has his own style and there's not one way to go about it. Never. Right. And so, so sometimes decisions you make end up working out. Sometimes they don't. So, and this one didn't, where do they go from here as a team? I, I, if you're a player in that locker room, are you guys looking around at each other? Like what's up with this guy? Or are you like, Hey man, we did a lot of good things. Cause they did. They dominated the Seahawks in a lot of ways. Um, yardage wise. I think they almost doubled them up. Uh, defensively, the Broncos pretty much stopped the Seattle Seahawks in their tracks in the second half. True. Gino, Gino Smith had a really good first half. Didn't do anything in the second half. Uh, the Broncos offense moving the ball almost at will. You got to think that if they would have committed more to the running game, they would have had 200 yards rushing. Right? So, considering all the good things that happen as a player, can you overlook that bad decision and, and still ride with your coach and think that and, and put your faith and your trust in it? Because it is about trusting a head coach. A head coach's responsibility is to put you in a position to succeed, right? To put you in the best possible position to have success. If, if they don't do that, you start to lose trust or faith in them. Of course, any coach, that's what happens to you, is one game enough to do that.
0: For the bottom five to seven guys on the roster, that is enough for them to lose faith. And it doesn't necessarily bottom five to seven doesn't always mean player uh, skill set wise, but attitude wise and, and lack of buy in wise. There's always those guys in the locker room. And you're always as a coach fighting those guys. Majority of the players are going to believe and buy into your messaging. And so if Coach Hackett said, hey, you know, uh, we made some mistakes. I made some mistakes on, on Monday night. Uh, we're on to Houston. Let's move forward. I want you guys to be able to fully trust me and trust that I'm trying to put us in the best position to win football games. Hey, I I've made a mistake. Let's move on. Majority of the guys are going to buy into that messaging, but there's always that bottom guy, five to seven guys in the locker room who are the the who sow the seeds of dissension, and sow the seeds of distrust. Um, and those guys now have something to point to. So now this next game is critical to either quiet those next five, those those bottom five to seven guys, or now their voices get louder if this kind of thing repeats itself. So you're constantly battling those guys in the locker room and trying to tamp down that dissension from those guys who want to drag other guys down with them to the bottom and complain about coach and point the fingers at coach you got to shut those guys up this week
1: well Nathaniel Hackett did ultimately take the blame for the decision sort of um but did he stick to the to the plan a little bit too bullishly and should he have been a little more malleable in the moment we'll talk about that next. It's Chad
2: and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 104.3, The Fan. You know, it's a combination of a lot of people, and and in the end, it lies on me. I made that decision, and that was our plan. That's what we said. That's the yard we had to get to. We all knew it. That's what we said in the huddle before we did it. We got there. We made that decision. Should have never gotten to that. That's the thing that I think... Obviously, the last decision is something that, you know, you're always going to, gosh, could have done this, could have done that. But I think the thing that frustrates me more is that red zone. You know, we had so many opportunities. I mean, we were inches away. I mean, talking with the tight ends even today, all four of them had an opportunity to get in the end zone. Um, We had some other people that had some opportunities. We missed them. And it's just, you know, they should have never gotten to that. Should have never gotten to it, but it did. It sure got there.
1: And. Pretty much to a man, to a woman, to a person out there, everybody talking about it disagrees with that call. Evidence by the fact that people were, I mean, I was shocked when it was happening. People were confused. Like, football people who who spent their whole lives watching football, playing football, analyzing football, were confused as to what was happening in the moment. Um, as the clock was ticking down, Russell Wilson calls a timeout. 20 seconds left, and jogs to the side like, hey, we got this. Chip shot, 35-yard field goal, game over. So it caught us all by surprise. There's one person, though. There's one person out there in the football world who agrees with the decision. Chad, do you know who, who that was?
0: Let me see. It's not Eli Manning. Nope. It's not Peyton Manning. Nope. Uh, it's not Troy Aikman during the broadcast. Nope. So these are all, you know, Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, one hall of very good, guys who've won a lot of football games, guys who've navigated the two minute drill a number of times, guys who would think they would have an
1: understanding
0: of what the right thing is to do in that situation. So please enlighten me who who would go counter to Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, and Troy Aikman.
1: Well, if you think really, need to listen to. If, you re- if you think really hard, you'll know. His old buddy, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> really? Yep. Wow. Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee yesterday. Okay, and Pat McAfee asked him about it, and Aaron Rodgers, in his usual, just kind of this what this voice. relax, re- relax, relax. He talked relax. about how it was a good, it was a good decision because Brandon McManus has the leg, and uh, does he? <laughs> man, he had the distance. Man, he had the distance. That's, that's what didn't you,
0: he? <sighs> didn't he? Wasn't it? But it's not about distance. You got to get to the field goal. That that's how that whole thing works. It's not can you kick it past the back of the end zone. Can you kick it past the back of the end zone in between the uprights?
1: It was that field goal that was so nice. He missed that thing twice. twice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he got two shots at it. That's a really, really, really long field goal. Yes. Um, but Aaron Rodgers believes he should have he he, you know, made that decision, the decision he made. He's taken by his friend. Um, but um, Nathaniel Hackett is a first-year head coach. Mm-hmm. And we need that. We don't. We need to impress that upon the fan base that there are going to be some fits and starts. It's not going to be perfect when you're doing this for the first time. And I know he said, "Oh, this isn't my first game," and you know he's had a little bit of a bravado, or at least a, a little bit of kind of you know unwavering confidence in his ability to have to to be able to handle these moments. But isn't there an understanding that it's not going to be seamless, Chad? It's not going to be unveiled perfectly. He was facing a very, very experienced coach, and Pete Carroll, who's, who's who's coached 272 games in the NFL, not to mention all his college experience. This was Nathaniel Hackett's very first time being the head coach. Mm-hmm. So doesn't that account for something? I mean, can't you give him a little bit of slack?
0: I would have so much more slack if he had, I don't know, it's... it's, it's preseason, like, huh? You talking about preseason no, reps? No, I'm not even going to get into that one. Just when asked if you were nervous, and he just kind of poo-pooed the nervousness and the first-time head coaching experience as if, you know, trust me, I got this, yo. (laughs) Get on my back. I'm going to lead us to a championship. Now, I know I'm I'm hyperbolizing what he said and how he said it, Um, but, again, I think we would all have a little bit more grace. He was like, yeah, it's going to be my first rodeo, man. You know, uh, there's a lot of unknown Guys in play in the preseason. Week one is always difficult in the NFL. I recognize the the difficulty of this moment. Uh, hopefully, we've done everything we can to prepare. But if something slips through the cracks, you know, trust us. We as a staff are going to do our best to remedy that for week two and be able to move forward having learned the lessons from week one. But instead, we got a slightly different answer. So it that set up a narrative of, I got this. What are you guys talking about? You guys are crazy. And then so many of these issues crop up and we go, no, no, we're, we're, we're not crazy. We were actually rightfully concerned and had some questions about all that. And that's okay. And now, you know, now according to a certain percentage of the text line, we who were rightfully concerned are supposed to just move on as if, oh, okay, it was just one game. Now we're just going to, it is just one game. But we just didn't arrive here with a couple of decisions on Monday night. We arrived here with a lot of decisions throughout the preseason to get to this point. So now any concern about week two is also needs to be legitimately concerned uh, or or, or have a conversation about.
1: Is this a must win week two? To shut us up
0: who are concerned.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, You think that'll shut us up? Nothing will shut us up, Chad. We well, can yeah, it won't
0: shut us up. It'll shift the narrative. No, I hear you. And then for that bottom five to seven guys on the roster, it will shut them up. That may be the most important part of it all. Who cares about us on the outside? But within that building, there are folks who are looking and losing trust with Coach Hackett. So you can you need to shut those people up so you can have a cohesive
1: message and units moving forward. You really think there are people who are losing trust? in in Coach Hackett already, after one game. After one game in which you really were in position, you dominated the opponent, you, you withstood the onslaught, the crowd, the 12s, it was crazy energy. You were able to impose your will as a football team against them. Yes, there were some things that didn't go right. 0-4 in the red zone. That's a big no-no. You can't do that. But at the same time, you, you got down there. You moved the ball with ease. The things you were doing were working. Your running game was working. You were throwing the ball to your running backs. Screen passes were working. Jerry Judy went off. Court of a Sutton looked good. The tight ends were getting open. Andrew Beck's a baller. Right. The defense looked pretty darn good, especially in the second half. Bradley Chubb, the big question mark, came through. So did Randy Gregory. Mm-hmm. Had no practice time. Came out and caused a big fumble. A lot of stuff to feel really good about. right? And so you have to attribute some of that. To the coaching as well, right? You do,
0: but you've been in locker rooms. There's always somebody who's unhappy about playing time, about unhappy about being a backup, unhappy about being there used, about how they're being used. So then they take that personal dissatisfaction and their uh, inability to recognize that they're at fault for their position on the depth chart. They're at fault for the lack of playing time, and they point the finger at the coach. And they use things like Monday night to amplify their messaging within their locker room about how coach is an idiot and coach is wrong and coach doesn't know what he's doing. There's always been that I was on a perfect New England Patriots team until we lost Super Bowl, but we were perfect record. And what there was still
1: that was, huh? and there was still yes. I mean just the ultimate letdown. Just crushing, obviously absolutely. absolutely yes. Thanks, Bill. Um would you have in hindsight? Sorry to derail, no. but just mentioning that, perfect until the Super Bowl. Would you have rather, in hindsight, lost a couple games during the regular season? Of course. Of course. But uh,
0: I, I give Bill and the all the players on the team all the credit for chasing perfection. Um, and literally, we go from possibly being the greatest team ever of all time we won that Super Bowl to now we're not even mentioned in the top five greatest teams anymore because we didn't win a Super Bowl. A couple of plays in the most critical, important game of the year, that's how much they count. They take you from the greatest team of all time to not even being in the
1: top five teams of all time. So in that vein, is week one really going to matter when we look back on this season?
0: It, uh, it may, because this is going to be a very tight division. Uh, this is going to be a very tight AFC playoff race. So this game d- that will possibly have some t- playoff implications to it. Um, where I was getting at is those those guys who are complainers They drag other people with them. So no matter what team I've been on, a Mike Holmgren Seattle team, a Bill Cowher Steeler team, a Bill Belichick New England team, there's always those guys who are upset with Coach for personal reasons and use team reasons to sow dissension within the locker room. Those guys exist over there right now at UC Health Training Center. Mm. Coach Hackett's got to try to find a way to win them back.
1: You don't think they were able to kind of create a – roster of dudes that weren't trying to sow seeds to see that, that weren't kind of those guys? Don't, 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 you, don't you trust their ability to evaluate these dudes and create the right mix of guys that are all in it for the right reasons?
0: In 15 years in the NFL, in four years as an interim coach, I have yet to see a perfect locker room environment. There's always the naysayers, there's always the doubters, there's always the Debbie Downers. Always, always, always.
1: Well, Coach Hack... Coach Hackett said uh, that it was the plan to get to the 46-yard line and go for the kick. But was there another reason that he's not saying that he didn't want to go for it on fourth down? We'll get into that next. But first, how did the Rockies fare? Let's talk to Spilly. Spill it, Spilly. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The The Fan. So, Coach Hackett said that he, they, they decided, um, not, not only in the moment of truth, right before the drive, but before the game, that the line to get was the 46 yard line left hash for Brandon McManus to make that kick. And when they reached it, boom, timeout, boom, game over, we win, right? But is it a little more complicated than that? As far as the, 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 decision-making process that Nathaniel Hackett was going through in his mind. Now, there is limited time in the offseason to get together as an offense and practice mandated by the CBA. Okay, there's just not as much time anymore to get together. This is also a brand-new coaching staff, brand-new offensive coordinator, brand-new head coach, and you're putting in a new system with a bunch of guys who've never run this before and a quarterback who wants his input. They collaborated on a new offense. And we watched training camp. They didn't practice a ton. Uh, They took a lot of mental days, mental reps. But they didn't have a lot of timing. And then when it came to preseason games, they decided, elected, not to play any of the starters. Had a plan. That is the plan. Mm -hmm. That was part of the plan. Mm -hmm. That that is the grand plan. Mm -hmm. And he obviously sold this plan. George Payton when he interviewed for this job Mm -hmm. George Payton agreed that this is a good plan I like this guy I like his energy he's part of the new NFL let's sign him up (laughs) but when it comes to Monday night's game Uh okay with a minute left on the clock fourth and five is it possible that Nathaniel Hackett elected to kick the ball because he wasn't sure what play to call and he wasn't sure that his team could execute it possible
0: Yes, it is certainly possible. Well, we've all seen coaches with their giant play sheet on the sideline. They usually use it to cover their mouths when they're calling a play. So the opponent coach doesn't know what they're saying behind the play sheet. There's no lip readers <laughs> up in the booth for the opposing team. Um, and there's categories on there. So it's not just a list of plays. There's first and 10, there's third down, there's fourth down, there's backed up, there's red zone, there's goal line, there's short yardage. There's all these various categories of plays. Is there a play specifically for fourth and five? Probably not specifically for fourth and five. You'll think? But there's 35 plays. There's a category of fourth down plays, which could get five yards, but there's not a specific box on that giant play sheet that is just for fourth and five plays. So to your point, was he looking at his fourth down plays and his third and five or less plays and going to him and on, going back and forth between those? That's certainly possible. Um, the, I would be okay with that more so than your the latter part of your question, that he doesn't trust Russell Wilson in that situation. Um,
1: well, yeah. look, Russell Wilson, very successful quarterback, but at the same time, these guys are new together. D- does Nathaniel Hackett really understand Russell's skill set to the point where he knows what play to call in what situation to pick up a first down. He doesn't. No. And so, can you really fault him for taking it out of Russell's hands in a moment where if you don't know, you better not try?
0: <sighs> I would like to think that there were enough Bronco versus Bronco scrimmage moments, Bronco versus Bronco team practices. Bronco versus Bronco uh, team periods during practice that were competitive and that were not scripted moments where Coach Hackett was calling the plays as they were moving down the field. Those are called move the ball periods at the end of practice. We're going to go move the ball. And we're not just going to stay in one spot. We're going to move the ball down the field, and we're going to continue to call plays, depending on whatever situation that last play gives us. We're not operating off a script. We didn't work on this script last night and dial up every offensive and defensive play together as a staff. No, we're actually doing this as a preparation for the games. We're going to move the ball, and we're going to organically call plays. And you would hope that along the way with that, there would be enough of these organic situations that Coach Hackett and Russell Wilson, would call a timeout in one of those move the ball periods, particularly in a two minute one, and they would come to the sideline and they would discuss what they like, what they don't like.
1: They and, don't do that at practice, though. They, they, don't? they don't come and discuss things. What? No, they don't. They don't treat it like that. Uh, teams I've been on, I've seen Bill
0: Belichick and Tom Brady do that at a practice. I've seen uh, Neil O'Donnell and Bill uh, Coward do that at a practice. I've seen Matt Hasselback and one play Mike, you like, and Mike Holm... Yes, because they are working on that thing. Well, whether they're discussing what player they love or not, the head coach and the quarterback getting together during these periods and having a conversation about what they want to do next, whether Matt or Tom or Russell have input on that. And it's an actual discussion of what do you like? Well, I like this. What do you like? I like this. I can't say verbatim what those conversations are, but it's all in preparation to prepare for the season. So you can hit the ground running when you have that first game. And my point is in those conversations, I would like to think that Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson had had enough of those conversations where coach Hackett has gained confidence And who Russ is and what Russ is capable of through those periods. It's one thing to say we're not going to play in the preseason. It is quite another to say that I as a coach did not put myself and my quarterback in enough situations in practice where we were unprepared for this moment and I didn't know what to expect from that guy. That's a a whole different crime to football that we're talking about there if that's the actual scenario that happened. But
1: how effective is it to what well, you talked about preparing for these scenarios at practice against your defense, you know, with no crowd noise, no variables, no enter, no emotional kind of tornado that was going on in Seattle. The the noise factor, the you know, just the pressure that comes from that moment, mm-hmm. knowing the right thing to do. Doesn't it take some time to get to know your players to understand what to do in that moment? And if you if you have any questions, shouldn't you just kick it? Ah. Uh...
0: No, 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 and uh, another no, no, uh, no. Your, your football decisions shouldn't be shouldn't be made with a shrug at the end of them. Shouldn't we just kick it and you kind of shrug your shoulders and you know put your hands up and your voice gets high at the end? Just kick it. No, you got to make the football decisions with let's, an exclamation point.
1: You don't think he was like, "Let's
0: let's kick." Yeah, no. You, football decisions are made with Feel an exclamation thing? point. There's an emphasis, there's a confidence, there's a big, strong... If there's not an exclamation point, there's a clear, hard, definitive period at the end of that sentence. Not, uh kick it, I think? No, that's not how we're going to do things, man.
1: Well, so now they know. Now they know, you know, Brandon McManus's range in a moment like that, so they won't try that again. And so, is there a silver lining that we got that out of the way in a week one matchup, and, and we're not going to try that... In a playoff game, for example, it could end up being a teachable moment for everyone on the team. I
0: certainly hope so. Uh, Hopefully tons of lessons are learned from what went down on Monday night. Uh, There's lots of lessons to be learned. And if you are unwilling to acknowledge your error in those moments, then are the lessons really lessons? Do they stick? Are they painful? Are are, are, Are they a permanent lesson that you can take with you and move forward with? Or do you shrug it off and go, you know, it's just one game. We got another one this weekend. We'll be good. You know, it, all the the lesson is only going to be taken as seriously as you take the wrong that you did.
1: So we've been hard on Coach Hackett because we care. Because we care, Chad. We want these guys to get it right. But did he confirm something we've been worried about uh all offseason? We're gonna talk about that next. Denver Sports Station 1043, the fan presents Chad and Nate.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've already moved on forward. We're already game planning. we got the next week coming up here on a short week, so we got to get rolling. I mean, it's it's that simple. It's the next game. There's 16 more games. Um, this was the 17th game uh, in my mind, and, you know, we, we did a lot of good things. I don't want to take away from how we moved the ball. I mean, those guys executed, you know, all that stuff to almost to perfection. I mean, Russell was great. The, uh, the running back, the lines, I mean, they were all awesome. They, they were moving the ball all day. And, you know, we just have to finish. I mean, if we have to finish, we're not in that situation. From the standpoint of how we did the clock management, I thought we were good uh, at the end of the first half. We did a great job not leaving any time, getting a field goal, stealing a possession. And then on that one, you know, hey, we executed all the way down the field and, uh, and didn't leave any time on the clock so we can kick the field goal and walk off and win. And uh, in the end, we got to make the field goal. We got to get closer. All those things, which could have been better.
1: We got to do the thing that we didn't do. But at the beginning of that sound, he elucidated his philosophy. This was game seventeen. This was a just an add-on, basically a preseason game. I don't know how many other coaches look at it this way. Probably some do. Some obviously don't. Pete Carroll obviously didn't look at this as the seventeenth game. No, this was a very important game for them. Sets so the tone for their season right now. Clearly, mm-hmm. uh, but Coach Hackett, and by the way, that you know he structured preseason. We could have sort of seen this coming. If you valued Game 1 as much as you value Game 12 or 14 or 15, you would have played your guys in the preseason, right? Right. So this is, this is a philosophy we're going to have to stand back and watch develop before we judge it and see how the whole season plays out, isn't it?
0: Yes, for the preseason and how that affects you going into Game 1. But there's also what happened and occurred during Game one. I know they're connected, uh, but they don't necessarily have to because the Broncos lost this game. They didn't, the tail didn't just take over and win the game. The Broncos lost this game, and there were plenty of winnable moments where the Broncos were on the wrong side of it. Um, so, yeah, you can have your preseason philosophy, and that makes things a little rougher for, for game one, but you can't go out there and shoot yourself in the foot and then, you know, just kind of poo poo and be like, oh, you know, it's 1-17 and, you know, the next one's coming up and we're moving on. Again, it's hard to learn the lessons if you don't value what went wrong, if you don't put some emphasis on what went wrong. There was, yes, he ran down a list of positives. There's was an equally long list of things that need to be worked on
1: as well. So that equally long list, I imagine penalties, right? Oh, towards the top? Um... Uh, red zone issues. Yep. What else? Ball security. Ball security. Uh, so, so those are things that typically would happen in the preseason, right? Right. So if you allow this philosophy to take shape, then they're getting the kinks out now. But the good stuff, the ball, the the the, the, the kind of the 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 core stuff that you need mm-hmm. in football, you need your offense to be able to move the ball, and you need your defense to be able to stop the ball. That's pretty much what football is about. Pretty much. And they did that. They did that. So don't you feel good about that and understanding that 12 penalties ain't going to happen every week? Two fumbles on the goal line, that ain't going to happen every week. Uh, and so you got to feel good about the direction of this team.
0: Okay. I take off this, these headphones and remove this microphone from in front of my face and I replace it with a, a Bronco coaching hat and a whistle. Yeah, my tone is going to be different because I'm trying to emphasize the positives to my team. I need to talk about the negatives, but I want to create a positive atmosphere, so I'm going to talk about those to my team. Um, we're definitely going to watch, tape, and deal with all the negatives, but you can't just say we're not going to have 12 penalties again. You have to coach that and work on that. It just doesn't happen because now it's game two and, all right, we're good. We got all our kinks out. We went out there and crapped it up from a penalty discipline perspective. Now we're better. That has to be coached. It got there by either not being coached or being coached. Now you have to coach your way out of that situation. Uh, ball security, you have to coach your way out of that as well. Uh, the lack of getting the plays in quick enough, the going through the progressions in the huddle and at the line of scrimmage, all that stuff. They had all those delayed game penalties, and there were a number of ones where they were right at double zeros on the clock where they just got the snap off. So they were flirting with that constantly throughout the game. That's not gonna miraculously fix itself either. That has to be addressed. So as much as you wanna move on to Houston and talking about Houston Texans and, when, you know, their players and what we gotta do against them, you still have to correct your mistakes from the last game. Otherwise, this is the NFL. They're gonna repeat themselves if you don't correct your own self mistakes, or if there's something you did structurally, schematically or player wise that the other team could take advantage of, then teams are gonna be going to begin to get a book on you. And you have to fix these things because they're going to continue to do these things to you over and over and over again.
1: Okay, so aside from the, the field goal at the end, because we've talked about that quite a bit. Right. The penalties, right? Mm-hmm. The, the 12 penalties, uh, namely the two delay of game penalties. Mm-hmm. Very, very loud there. Super duper duper loud. Mm-hmm. Right? And maybe they made the mistake of, and I've been on a team that did the same thing, by the way. Mike Shanahan coached team. First game of the season, I think it was 2005, maybe it was 2006. We went in, we went to play uh, the Rams in St. Louis. We had a very complicated game plan. We had a lot of checks. We had a lot of stuff that we were going to do at the line of scrimmage. We didn't account for how loud it was going to be there. It was a lot louder than we thought. We couldn't hear Jake Plummer make those checks. And so guys weren't on the same page. So is it possible that as a first-time head coach, first-time offensive co- uh, coordinator play caller, All these simultaneous kind of moving parts that he had to juggle, as well as actually getting the play in there, slowed down the chain of command a little bit. And then you put it, then you send in the play and Russell gets to the line of scrimmage. And he's also looking at what the defense is showing him and he's thinking about changing the play there. So those delay of game penalties were a product of a little bit of an overzealous game plan.
0: That certainly could be the case. And obviously, the. Seattle crowd had a lot to do with that as well. The communication there is just so difficult. But the location for this game, the importance of this game, it just didn't crop up Monday afternoon. We knew about this since the schedule came out.
1: Well, the the, location, yes, but the importance, that's a matter of debate because they wanted to treat it like just any other game. They did not want to treat it like it was some Super Bowl, like the Seattle Seahawks were doing. And I understand that approach because –
0: you have and, to match your opponent at their intensity
1: level. You, on the field, absolutely. But right. you don't build it up like, to be some big revenge game with your own team. No, but you, Because if you lose that revenge game and you and you build it, build it, build it, build it, build it and then you lose like they did, that could be more devastating than just a loss where we've had some sloppy mistakes, but we actually played all right and we could feel good about some things that we did.
0: I'm not saying that the coaches needed to build this game up as the—, the, the I uh, must win to, to start the season. Not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just simply saying that those things that you ran down about the offense's difficulties with getting the ball snapped on time. We knew this game was going to be in Seattle. We knew who the 12s were. This is not anything new. We knew who our quarterback was and where he was returning to and what the likely crowd reaction was going to be. So is it a mistake? Yes, has anyone ever coached or played a perfect football game? Never, not one single time has anyone ever done that. So there's always going to be mistakes to clean up. You hope to never be a mistake repeater. You want to pave some new ground, make a new mistake, a different mistake. But check that last one off the list. My point is this one, particularly some of those offensive uh, play clock issues, should have been foreseen and prepared for. This is not some brand new thing out there in Seattle where they just, you know, Invented the 12s. They've been doing this for decades, man. It's a loud place to play. This ain't new.
1: No, it ain't. (laughs) Um, Okay, so something we did talk about yesterday a little bit. um, The referees. Uh Uh-huh. Were they intentionally... Calling plays, calling flags on the Broncos, and letting the Seahawks walk. Why are you laughing, man? There were some, there were some uncalled plays, some some helmet to helmet shots that the Seahawks made that didn't get called, and then some bogus penalties on the Broncos. Tell me why I'm wrong. Oh, okay, bra. All right, bra.
0: Um, I'm friends with some folks who live in Seattle. Obviously, I've lived there for eight oh, years. Oh, okay. Now I get it. No, 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 no. It's got nothing to do with. But they're obviously Seahawks fans. And they were hitting me up about all the uncalled holding calls that their pass rushers didn't get going against the Broncos' offensive line. And the refs were out there trying to protect Russell Wilson. Ooh! So each fan base is going to have their own narrative about the officiating. Um, I know a number of officials. Uh, they are some upstanding dudes who just don't want to make any waves and just call the game as they see it. They're not looking to create an agenda or bring any... Uh, eyeballs themselves, you know, they do, you know, do some bicep curls a lot of times before the game, so they look good when they're calling their, the the <laughs> the penalties out when they're on. Yeah, on that, that ref
1: was pretty yoke. he had some, his, he he had was, some veiny. He was. I was gonna yeah. say he was quite veiny, quite vascular. That yes, yeah, yeah, he
0: maybe took some uh, nitric oxide before the game, got his pump going. Um, but outside of a little. Uh, extra pump before you go out, you know, which way is the weight room, bro. Um, those guys are just some upstanding dudes who just don't want to make any waves and do as good of a job as possible so they can get playoff assignments and Super Bowl assignments. They're just some good dudes. So each fan base is always going to have a number of things they're going to point out. Jonathan Cooper, yeah, that was taunting. I don't love the rule, but by the rule as it's written, that was taunting. Uh Helmet to helmet for Kareem Jackson, yeah, you put, your, you put your helmet on a guy's helmet as he was going down, and you're a tackler. Yeah, that's probably going to happen, particularly when you're the second guy in there, and the guy, the guy was already going to the ground. And then for, uh, what was the other one? Bradley Chubb, roughing. I suppose we could quibble about that um, a little bit, but in the end, no. I did not see a poorly called game going one way or the other. But while we're passing out excuses for game one, it is game one the officials as well, and everybody's going to do better. Troy Aikman and Joe Becker, Buck are going to do better in Game Two as well. So it is Game One for everybody.
1: DJ Jones wasn't happy with the officiating. They interviewed him. Actually, Troy Rank interviewed him afterwards, and he he bit his tongue. He didn't quite say it, but he was like basically like, "Don't get me started on the penalties." Like, uh, you know, they called me for one that I didn't agree with.
0: Defensive holding. It's a point of emphasis. It is a point of emphasis. Why? Because they want offensive linemen to be able to get up to the linebacker level. And you can't have great offense if linebackers are running around free. The NFL has a vested interest. We talked about who's watching the NFL and what they want. They want to see scoring. They have a vested interest in officiating and calling some of these rules much more stringently than they have in the past to enable more scoring. The higher the score in the game, typically the better the ratings are. The, more they, the higher the ratings, the more they can sell their TV package to CBS or ESPN or Fox or Amazon or whoever they want to sell it to. The NFL wants to make money, man.
1: The NFL wants to make money, and they want to protect their quarterbacks. But there was some stuff that happened in week one um, that makes me think that quarterbacks, eh, are they really that important? We'll talk about that next in Distractions. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.